What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the City of Champions podcast, a member of the Alberta Podcast Network powered by ATB. On the show here, I like to speak with interesting people in Edmonton doing inspiring things. This week's episode is brought to you by the Edmonton Community Foundation and their show, The Well Endowed Podcast, which also features stories about community-minded people and projects in Edmonton. This week, I spoke with a gal named Bean Gill. So Bean is the co-founder and executive director of Ryu Paralysis Recovery Center and has dedicated her life to leaving a legacy of helping others. The story of how Bean became a paraplegic is as tragic as it is curious. Bean suffered a severe attack of a condition known as transverse myelitis while on a girl's trip in Las Vegas. Within minutes of the crazy painful attack, she had lost the use of both her legs and the course of her life was altered pretty much for good. Bean has an infectious excitement for life and she shares how she was able to make it through this dark time and how she pushes forward every day on a mission. Hope you all enjoy this inspiring chat with Bean. I like it. All right. So we're sitting here with Bean Gill. We're going to have a completely offensive conversation, <laughs> non-censored. Um, Bean, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Oh, I'm pretty good. Enjoying this uh, nice weather. And yeah, as we were saying, it's, it's almost half over, if not more. I know. It's great. But this uh, summer is supposed to be long and hot, they said. Why is that? Any reason? The Farmer's Almanac said that. So oh, okay. If they say it, then it must be right. Oh, perfect. I believe the farmers. <laughs> they know what's going on. Right? Uh, so, set the stage here. Where are we sitting right now? We are sitting in a conference room at the Buchanan Center, mm-hmm. uh, where my nonprofit is located, called Ryu Paralysis Recovery Center. Mm-hmm. Now, Paralysis Recovery Center, I mean, right away that name kind of <laughs> jars people because they like, whoa paralysis and recovery from paralysis mm-hmm. so what's what's sort of the the overview of that and then we can dive real deep into why you got into it but what, what's the basic basic sort of mission of this place our basic mission is to change lives we want to change lives of not only our clients mm-hmm. but um, change the minds of the general public and the medical community thus far uh, uh, thought uh, the thought process of the uh, medical community has been if you injure your central nervous system you're never going to get anything back it'll Mm -hmm. never repair itself Mm -hmm. but that is 100 percent false okay well why would that have been propagated in the first place i think um actually i don't know there might have been a lot of reasons because there's been studies done since the 1920s proving that regeneration can happen Mm -hmm. it's at a snail's pace but it can happen but those studies were you know dismissed and those scientists were laughed at by other by the medical community because mm-hmm. the medical community I'm not even sure how this even the became but you know that was the thought that once you damage your central nervous system you're not going to get anything back right I mean just from someone in my position it's sort of the, the layman's idea of it is that yeah. once you snap that cord there's no one snapping it basically I mean yeah you're right there is no one snapping it mm-hmm. but you can change you can retrain it right right you may not get everything back but you we'll get something back if you try okay mm-hmm. now and also let's maybe it, it's best for people who and even myself who haven't had a refresher on this for a while so let's talk about a one-on-one course physiology of how <laughs> how the body works and how the brain works starting from the brain and and how movement happens oh goodness this is <laughs> come on nancy. this should be like this should be like automatic <laughs> this is nancy's uh, specialty <laughs> okay. but i am an x-ray tech and i did take anatomy and physiology and i have been retraining my body for the last six years mm-hmm. um, so your central nervous system is your brain and your spinal cord they are the battery basically right there nothing can happen they're the computer nothing can happen without them they control everything uh, so, so thoughts go from your brain through your spinal cord to your peripheral nerves to tell your fingers to move to your tell your toes to move to control your bowel to control your bladder to control sexual function that's how your body works. If you have any kind of injury to your spinal cord, whether it be traumatic or non-traumatic, mm-hmm. um, those signals get either stop or they get very, very confused. What's the difference between traumatic and non-traumatic? So a traumatic spinal cord injury is something from an external force. Okay. So whether it be a car accident, skiing accident, fall off a bridge, fall off a fall off your chair, mm-hmm. whatever it is, it's something external force that you know physically is breaking your 
bones and injuring your spinal cord. Mm. Uh, non-traumatic is like what happened to me is I had a virus. Right. And so um, that's something inside your body. I had no physical trauma at all. I had no surgeries or anything, but there is a lesion in my spinal cord at mm. T10, T11 due to a virus. Okay. Well, that's a great segue into how this uh, discussion all came about and, and sort of setting the stage for, for things that ultimately ended up happening in your life after it. But, you know, six years ago, where were you at? <laughs> Funny. Six years ago today. Uh, what time is it? It's 5.09 p.m. 5.09. I would have been landing in Las Vegas. Landing in Las Vegas. Eh? Six, six years ago today. Yep. I went to Vegas for my friend's day get. And this was the fifth time I've been to Vegas and, you know, went to party, went to have fun, shop, and um, didn't know I would have a life-altering experience while I was down there. Um, like I said, we got there the Wednesday, we partied Wednesday night, Thursday we shopped all day, partied Thursday night, Friday morning we woke up and it's Friday the 13th. And we were going to go to the pool that day because we haven't been to the pool since we got to Vegas. And so I just remember I woke up, went to the bathroom, like washed my face and stuff, went and opened the curtains and it was raining outside. Mm -hmm. I'm like, when does it rain in Vegas in July? Right. It's right? Al almost never. Yeah. So then I walked back to the bed with my friends and that was the last time I ever walked on my own. And so I was laying in bed with my friends and then I had the most excruciating pain I've ever felt in my low back. Um, the pain lasted maybe like five to seven minutes and then I couldn't move my right leg. What were you doing at the time when the pain was happening? I was just, I was laying there. And, and what I, were you saying to your friends? Well, just, you know, you're having so much pain, so I wasn't really saying anything, more like making noises yeah. and, you know, I was worried, but I'm also an x-ray tech, like yeah. I said, so I was thinking about what's happening inside my body, right? right. And like my pain was down by my SI joint, which mm -hmm. is really low confused like well you know trying what to figure out what what could ha be happening right now that could be yeah. causing this yeah. yeah and so i was feeling back there to see if anything was out of place in my pelvis or anything but everything felt okay um and then yeah i couldn't move my right leg and so i just was moving my left leg up and down bending my knee flexing mm -hmm. my ankle wiggling my toes mm -hmm. and a couple minutes later i went prickly from my hip to my toes and that's it i was paralyzed it's unbelievable. So what was the first thing you did when that happened? Um, first thing I did was I called my insurance company. Mm -hmm. um, and then they were like, okay, dude, call 911. <laughs> Go call 911. Yeah, you're in trouble, obviously. Yeah, but the time before this, when I went to Vegas, I had an anaphylactic reaction to shrimp. And at that time, I didn't have time, so I just called 911 because everything was swelling shut. Yeah. But because I didn't call my insurance company first and they didn't tell me which hospital to go to, I ended up having to pay $3,500 to be just discharged from the hospital. Right. So this time, it wasn't non-emergent you know, non in my mind. The throat hole wasn't closing. <laughs> yeah. So I called my insurance company first. Anyways, ended up at the same hospital that they took me to last time. And... They did a full spine MRI right off the bat. Mm -hmm. That came back negative. And then just started a battery of tests. Every right. single test you could possibly think of. So what's it like when they bring a, uh, a foreigner into a hospital down there? Is it you, you still get the same speed of care and they see the same sort of treatment that you would otherwise? And oh, yeah. You don't have great. to go through you know, mundane paperwork at the time. They just get you in and get started? The paperwork came at the end. Right. Yeah. Um, no. When I came in, they had everything... You know, they checked my, obviously looked at my passport and stuff mm -hmm. like that, but they didn't ask for any kind of papers or anything, and not mm -hmm. that I remember anyways. Um, yeah. Were you kind of in shock at this point, or what was going through your head? Honestly, I was really calm. Yeah. I really didn't think it was that big of a deal. I was like, it's all good. I'm just going to get up. I'm going to walk out of here. Right. Right? No big deal, because I could feel everything. Oh. I just couldn't move it. Interesting. I could feel. Which is different from typical, typically when you when you lose function. Well, right? everyone's really different, okay. right? Um so you could have, the spinal cord is very, very complex. Mm -hmm. And it depends on which side of the spinal cord you're injured, mm -hmm. posterior, anterior, left, right, mm -hmm. central, the outer core. There's a lot of different things that can happen. And so then your symptoms will be really, will be really different. Right. A lot of people with spinal cord injuries can feel. A lot of them. Mm -hmm. There are quite a few who can't feel anything, but the majority of them can feel some, something. So they'd still feel pain if their legs got knocked around. It depends, or crushed, right? Or 
Yeah, it depends. Like, I can feel touch, but I don't feel hot, cold, or pain. Oh, interesting. And Different I have people who can feel pain, but they don't feel touch. Okay. So, it's, yeah, it's, everybody is so different. So, as they're running you through these tests, I mean, like, were you able to um, were you able to stop yourself from, like, continually asking the doctors, like, so what do you think? Like, what's happening here? I, you know? I didn't really even ask them that much. Like, I asked to see the reports for each test, mm-hmm. being an x-ray tech, right? Mm-hmm. And I asked to see any imaging that I could possibly see. But they kept telling me that everything's clear. Mm-hmm. And they showed me that everything was clear. And so I really wasn't that worried. Mm-hmm. And um, it wasn't until, like, that first night I was in Emerge and I was... It was overnight, and I overheard the nurses saying that they're waiting for a bed in ICU for me. Mm-hmm. That's when shit got real. That's not a good sign. You don't go to ICU if everything's okay. Right. Okay. Right? And that's when I was like, oh shit, something is really happening here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then my friend was with me, and he was like, you need to call your mom, man. Like, you need to call your family, because I didn't tell anybody. Right. And I just said, I'm like, they're going to ask me questions. They're going to want to know what's happening. I don't have any answers. You don't want to get asked questions if you don't have the answers. Right? right? And I don't want to put them in added stress for no reason because I know how my mom's going to react. And so it was the next day in the morning that I called home and told my sister. She answered the phone. And I was like, yo, man, I can't move my legs. She's like, shut up. (laughs) How much did you drink last night? No, seriously, I didn't drink last night. I can't move. like, no. Like, I seriously can't move my legs. And she's like, holy shit. And so then my mom was still sleeping. So Mm -hmm. when my mom called me, I was like, "Um, are you sitting down? And she's like, oh, God, what? (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Because this isn't the first phone call she's gotten like this. If you're already sitting down, maybe you should stand up. I don't know. Just (laughs) just do something. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, I can't move my legs. Mm -hmm. And she's like, well, just try. Oh, didn't think of that. <laughs> of course. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm trying. Like, I can't move my legs. And she's like, well, just, you know, try wiggling your toes. Just try a little bit harder. And I'm oh, like, oh, mom. You're so not sweet. listening to me, but I can't move my legs. Moms don't always know. Yeah. yeah. And it's, you know, you're in disbelief, right? Denial yeah. is the first thing. Of course. That you There's got to be something. Yeah. Because it's never as bad as you're you lying think. to me. Yeah. 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 Um, and then she was like, you know, do you want us to come out there? And I was yeah, if you can. Um, <laughs> yep, that'd be nice. Yeah, which is almost never the response. It's usually, oh, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. But as soon as you <laughs> yeah. say, yeah, maybe you should, that's like instant parents yeah. on the plane. Yeah. Come now. Yeah. So they came out there? Yeah, my mom and my sister came. Mm-hmm. And my, my sister stayed for a week and my mom stayed for the whole 12 days. So you're there for 12 mm-hmm. days. And they continued to run tests on you. Yeah. But by the end, I mean, because every single thing had come back negative, mm-hmm. They didn't really know what to do with me. They gave me steroids um, just in case there was any inflammation around my spinal cord. Mm-hmm. Um, and they couldn't detect if there was inflammation? Nothing showed up on the MRIs. Okay. Nothing. Okay. And usually that's where it would show up. Right. Um, but yeah, they couldn't find anything. And so they told me that I had conversion disorder, mm-hmm. which is where you're so stressed out that your brain tells your body to shut down and your uh, symptoms are psychosomatic. Right. And um, I believe them because the year 2012 was hopefully the worst year of my life mm-hmm. and I was under a great deal of stress. Uh, in January I turned 30, which was all good. Pop bars on I turned 30 in 12 days, so please don't <laughs> tell me that that's stressful, right? No, that I think it's fun. <laughs> that was fun. Um, and then in April I left my ex after he beat me up for the first and last time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in June my dad left mm-hmm. and then two weeks later I was paralyzed. So you're thinking that at this point, that might actually explain it. Yeah. And before my paralysis, like I was never somebody who talked about my feelings. Mm -hmm. I would always bottle everything up and then explode when I reached my limit. And that's just how I was my whole life. And um, so my best friend, she actually put it the best. And when I told her that I was paralyzed while I was still in Vegas in the hospital bed, and she's like, Bean, this is God literally stopping in your tracks and making you deal with your shit. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to look at it. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, well, <laughs> you're it. <laughs> so it, had, it, had it been conversion, um, mm-hmm. conversion disorder, disorder um, that potentially could have been reversible. 
yeah, yeah. they told me it's a mental block right, right. so you got to start seeing a psychologist or a psychiatrist mm-hmm. you talk about all your issues and um, feelings and everything from your past all the stuff that's weighing down on you mm-hmm. and it'll unblock and my neurologist down there told me that most people get full sensation and recovery back within a couple of weeks Wow. I was like, oh, dude. So that okay, re- cool. reinstated some hope in you. Yeah, I was like, two weeks, I could do this, no problem. Because right. the, the Thursday I went shopping, I bought all these clothes. I bought six pairs of high heeled shoes. Oh, okay. okay. Oh, no. <laughs> Never got to wear any of them. Yeah. Worst feeling. So, in, in, in hindsight, going through, giving that, being given that little bit of hope and then going through the, the therapy and with the psychologist, do mm-hmm. you think that was probably the best way to transition you to the idea of this might actually be permanent? For sure. Oh, yeah. That's one of the best things that came out of me being paralyzed mm-hmm. is seeing a psychiatrist. I mean, psychologist. Mm-hmm. She's really helped me through a lot of the issues that I've had in my life and like, um, not just my paralysis, but like growing up in Edmonton, being East Indian mm-hmm. in the 80s, right? A lot, there's a lot of hatred thrown at you, a lot of, and when you're growing up, it confuses you, mm-hmm. right? And so as an adult, you don't really think that that has any effect on you, but definitely it does on your personality, how you see people. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, she's definitely helped me through a lot. And that's one of the biggest pieces of advice that I give to anybody else going through any kind of life adversity go see a psychologist because your friends will listen to you all like all time but they don't have the tools to tell you how to get through what you're going through and move past it right well every every friend that you tell anything to is going to reflect that through their own lens right they're not they don't have the training to kind of do it from that objective sort of perspective of someone who's got the formal training yeah and i know that you know as i near 30 as well mm-hmm. um, you start to take a look back at your childhood and think okay how did these things actually affect me because yeah. you want to think that you know I am you know I, I got through everything and I'm good and all that's in my past but like mm-hmm. as you start considering it too I, I can definitely pinpoint a lot of things in my past that not necessarily mm-hmm. negative but mm-hmm. events that have, have or circumstances that have caused me to be the way that I am and, and now I, I think looking back at those it's able to help me guide more of where I want to be and understand who, you know, get to where I want to be as well and the type of person I want to be. Mm -hmm. You have to understand sort of all the little warts about you before you can begin to, you know, clean them off. There's a reason why we are how we are, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So what was was the exact moment? Was there one in which you realized you transitioned from the hope of it being a conversion disorder to this is, no, this is permanent yeah what was that moment it was in october 2012 Mm -hmm. around september i august september my legs started spasming like crazy Mm -hmm. and i was happy because i'm like i'll take any movement over no movement um but my family doctor was like this is not conversion this Mm -hmm. is not how it would flip back and so he sent me for another mri now this is like my 30th mri in three months right Mm -hmm. and so i was just like there's nothing and nothing's gonna show up so I went for the MRI and um, being an x-ray tech, my friends are the MRI techs. And so they sent me my report as soon as it came through. So I didn't have to wait for my doctor. Mm-hmm. And it said on there, there's a lesion in the spinal cord at T10, T11, uh, looks like transverse myelitis. So of course, next step, Google transverse yeah. myelitis. And the first thing it says on there is transverse myelitis has a high likely chance of turning into MS. Oh, okay. And at that time, like I said, I was 30 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, Alberta has the highest rate of MS in the world. Yeah. Women are three times more likely than men. Yes. Yeah, that yeah. would be right in the range right? of, of people who yeah. first surfaces. Yeah. Yikes. So it was that day. Uh-huh. I just I remember <clears throat> sitting in my kitchen reading that report Mm -hmm. and just holy shit yeah so what where did you go from there like what was the was the next steps well then it would that just kicked off a whole bunch of set of neurologist appointments Mm -hmm. this doctor that doctor you know more tests and stuff and um well after so the first neurologist i saw after getting my diagnosis he said to me Oh, he's like, you'll be fine. You're going to walk into my office in January. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Great. Yeah. Three months. 
No I problem. can do it. Yeah. No, another letdown by the medical system. Mm-hmm. And then I had started physio right when I got back because I was literally watching my muscles melt away while I was in Vegas. Mm-hmm. And at one point I had reached down and grabbed my whole femur all the way around. That, it happened that quickly? That yeah. your muscles oh, just... Within days, gone. And why would that be? Even yourself, if you stop moving, yeah. if you just sit there and don't move a muscle, yeah. don't twitch, don't do nothing, you'll atrophy right away. Seriously? Yep. I had no idea it happened that quickly. Very quickly. All that hard work to build it yeah. and maintain it. Yeah. Holy hell. Um, and during this time, kind of when you got back from Vegas mm-hmm. to, to this sort of um, winter portion, like had you had you been in a, obviously you were in a wheelchair, I imagine. Yeah. Had you been working or were you just on full medical leave? I was on short-term disability okay. yeah, from my job. Mm-hmm. Um, my wheelchair, I actually had, my mom stole it from the Vegas hospital because <laughs> there was no other way I was going to get back. Right. And down there, everybody is ginormous and so my wheelchair was a bariatric wheelchair because that's all they have down there it's bariatric extra wide oh okay extra wide extra wide for comfort (laughs) well americans need it right yeah um so yeah so my posture wasn't good i was wheeling with my arms way out to the sides Mm. and i didn't have a proper cushion and when i came back to canada like i did go to the hospital the next day Mm. i told them i need to see a psychiatrist um, because i have conversion disorder Mm. And so they put me in the psych room, which makes you feel really awesome and normal. Yeah. And then the psychiatrist comes in and he's an East Indian guy. And at that time, my hair was platinum blonde. And first thing he says to me is, what's wrong with your hair? <laughs> I'm like, great, you're not going to judge me at all. <laughs> okay. You see your parents in this guy, right? Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. But I'm like, whatever, this is no time to lie or anything. So I told him everything that been happening to me and stuff and at the end of it he just said to me he's like there's nothing wrong with you um most people that this happens to have a large monetary gain tour coming towards them so do you come on buddy. i was like are you kidding me like shoot like, straight but i mean like think before you speak right like i just said i'm losing money man i can't work right now yeah. i'm losing money yeah so i mean he's obviously jaded by the system he's seen yeah. this so many times conversion yeah. disorder seems like this sort of nebulous concept you're like look i really hope it's that because if it's not it's worse mm-hmm. and so you can see why i want it to be this well and like i had lost all bowel all bladder function mm-hmm. right like everything from from my waist down like i had no movement of my muscles i couldn't lift myself up i couldn't sit up unsupported i would fall right over no like it was bad like i lost muscles like my abs so i couldn't mm-hmm. cough couldn't sneeze couldn't laugh oh my god yeah you think your life is just sort of shutting down before your eyes yeah definitely so what was the then how'd you get on the road to recovery so then because i am tenacious and Mm -hmm. i've in the medical field and i've been working out my whole life right and so i knew i needed to start physio right away right we've quickly found the only neurophysio clinic in edmonton so i started going there twice a week i started going to the hospital twice a week and doing as much as I could at home to regain any kind of core or whatever I could. What do they have you doing at that point when you don't have use of your legs to, to help with your core? We were just doing a lot of core. A lot of right? core. Right, so a lot of seated stuff where they're they're around you to spot you and then mm-hmm. you're gonna just, even just sitting there, mm-hmm. upright with an upright po- proper posture. Yeah. Right, that's a lot of core. Um, yeah, crawling. They did get me standing in September, was the first time I stood. <clears throat> is that September of the same year or 2013? Yeah, of the same year. Okay. Yeah, but it took three people. Yeah. And it was all the way through my hands. Right. And it was, I have a video of it and <laughs> pictures and stuff, but yeah, it was not pretty. <laughs> and when was it that you discovered the uh, the clinic in California, the program down there? That, I found about that found out about Project Walk when I was in the Glen Rose. Mm-hmm. So I didn't get to the Glen Rose until February of 2013. Okay. Um, I fell through the cracks of the medical system and ended up spending seven months at home by myself in isolation. Mm-hmm. And I had my friends and my family, of course, but um, they don't know what you're going through. Right. Nobody understands it. You're not equipped to deal with this No, not at all. And at that time, I was going through a depression too, right? Because that's bound to happen. You can imagine, yeah. Yeah, and it was around Christmas time especially, and I was mm-hmm. really unhappy and eating everything that came in front of me, right. easily gained 
30, 40 pounds. Right. Not the, easily. Good, not the good kind of weight. No. Yeah. No. And you don't see it on a daily basis, right? And when you're sitting, you mm-hmm. especially don't see it. Yeah. And then I ended up at the Glen Rose um, on February 13th. And um, not another Friday, was it? No, no, it wasn't. It was Thursday, actually. <laughs> um, there they weighed me. Mm-hmm. And when they told me the number, I was like, what? And she's like, I'm like, do it again. She did. I was like, holy shit. Right. Okay. Something needs to be done about this. Mm-hmm. So I talked to the dietitian and I was like, put me on the strictest diet you can. And it was disgusting. It was like turkey, mash- no salt, no seasoning, mashed potatoes and veggies and yeah. Frank's red hot sauce on everything. Well, I've got to monitor it really closely because I mean, as someone who's always just sort of outworked my diet in the gym, right? Like I eat what I want, yeah. but I can imagine if you're not able to, to work those calories off and expend that energy, like mm-hmm. oh, that's just gotta be a tough, tough existence. Yeah. Plus, it's a lot harder to lift your ass around when you're 50 pounds heavier. Yep, that's right? true. you got to do it. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, anyways, it wasn't until I got to the Glen Rose that my eyes were opened and that my perspective changed. Mm-hmm. Um, I was having lunch one day with this girl, Oksana, and my friend, my roommate, Erica. And Oksana is a high-level quadriplegic. She was in a car accident and the moose cut her seatbelt off and she was ejected. The moose cut her seatbelt? The antlers. The moose came through the car, slit her seatbelt, and she flew through. through. Is the moose okay? (laughs) She's like, I hate it when people ask me that. (laughs) Like, I hope that moose is dead. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, and high level referring to the spinal cord, the injury, how far up it is? Yeah, so she, you know, she can't move her arms or her legs. Um, She wasn't even expected to breathe on her own. Mm Um, but she was able to swallow on her own, just somebody had to feed her. And so we were having lunch one day and she says, will you guys walk again? And Erica's like, this bitch will. And I was overcome with guilt. Yeah. I had so much guilt. Right. And it was that minute. And then Oksana, she said, I'd be happy if I could move a fucking finger. Right. And you're like, I'm right now twice as capable as this girl. Yeah. I'm, I'm having all these excuses. Yeah. Holy shit. So that must have hit you like a ton of bricks. Yeah. Okay. That's I'll never forget it. Yeah. She changed my life. Yeah. Right? Did she and realize that? She knows that she did? We reconnected uh, two years ago. Mm-hmm. And I told her, yeah. Did she know what she, she was doing at that time? No. no. She didn't realize it? No. She had no idea. You know, some people just drop those set of little things in that mm-hmm. they know are going to have a big impact and they don't kind of address it directly. Yeah. Yeah. That's very interesting. Yeah. Okay. So it was that minute I just told myself, you're not allowed to feel sorry for yourself anymore. Mm-hmm. Like you are fully capable. I will walk again. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I have my hands. I have my arms. I'm able to do everything for myself. Mm-hmm. And so suck it up. Okay. And then what did you have? What did you do from there? Well, then my physio there, she told me about Project Walk in mm-hmm. California, which is a spinal cord injury recovery center. They are now shut down, which is sad, but there are a lot of other uh, franchises around. Um, and so we researched them. We found that they had an affiliate in Regina called First Steps Wellness Center. Mm-hmm. So me and my mom went there for a week and I loved the program, fell in love with it. The guys there gave me a home program. And then at home, my mom or my brother were helping me out. And then we found out there's a place in Calgary called Synaptic. Mm-hmm. So we were going there every Friday, working out for two hours and coming back. Just driving three hours each way just to go yeah. work out for two yeah. hours. Yeah. Wow. You Your mom is do. a saint. Right? Holy the shit. The best. Yeah. Like the best. Um, and then we're just like, you know, my mom's like, I have three weeks of vacation. Should we just go to California? And I was like, yeah, Regina oh, or California. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <I'm> to California. <laughs> yeah. So we went and um, that's where I just, you know, I was sold on the program. The whole year of doing physiotherapy here, mm-hmm. not one person could get my ankles to 90 degrees. I had so I have such um, severe spasticity mm-hmm. that an extensor tone, so that's when your legs go straight. So and your feet would be pointed your forward? Your feet are pointed, And yeah. no one could get you to point no your toes back? No one could get back. them to 90 degrees, yeah, right. dorsiflexion. Dorsiflexion. So, but there, mm-hmm. after one week, I was standing on my flat feet. Come on. With the arms? Like with support, with yeah. Support, but yeah. like I was standing my full body weight weight on your legs. On my feet. Flat. What, what were they doing there that was so different? They it's just regular exercises. Mm-hmm. They're doing intense intense exercises. They call it the Dardzinski method. We call it activity based training. Same kind of thing. Okay. 
Basically, any exercise that you would do for an able-bodied person, you do the same thing, you just modify it. Okay. And it's active assistance training, which is where um, the trainer the trainer will uh, move the client's limb through whichever motion of each joint, Okay. but it's not passive. Anything passive isn't going to do anything. Okay. It's, all it will do is just lubricate the joints. Mm-hmm. So the client actually has to think about each muscle as it contracts and relaxes. Right. And the trainer is actively activating each muscle if the client can't do it. Um, until it gets to the point where that client can get a twitch. Can you get a flicker? Turn that flicker into a twitch. Okay. Turn that twitch into a full contraction. Yeah. That's how you retrain the nervous system. So you use like a leg extension, for example. You've mm-hmm. got your leg, your legs dangling at 90 degrees and they yeah. would move your leg and kind of activate your quad with their hand, but yeah. you would also be thinking about your quad yeah. uh, contracting, pulling the rest of your leg up to, to 180 degrees like yeah. that. Oh, okay, interesting. Yeah. And so as, when they first start doing that, like mm-hmm. what? It must just feel like, man, we're not doing anything because there's no activity, right? Like, like what's... Well, my legs were kind of different because I'm high spasticity, right? Okay. I have a lot of spasms. Okay. Um, and so spasms are messages that are going from your brain to below your, to your spinal cord through your injury. Mm-hmm. So they get scrambled in that injury. They're mm-hmm. not speaking the same language anymore, right? right? And so, but they were happening. And which spasms are good because they gave me muscle tone. Yeah. They saved my bone density Mm -hmm. and has increased my circulation and has given me that strength. Right. Now, I don't control that strength, but it's there. (laughs) Right. And to know that there is a workable pathway that goes, that it's not severed completely, right? Yeah. Even if it is severed completely, if you try, you could get something back. Right. Mm -hmm. So this is, these are all serious exercises and massive amounts of patience yes and were you a patient person before all this luckily yes it was luckily it's kind of one of those things it's like if you were then lucky you if you weren't it's like well there's no other choice than to be patient now right i mean of course everyone wants that magic pill or to be able to flick a switch and have your body back Mm -hmm. right but it's not available yet. <laughs> it's not available. So you stuck down there for, was it a week or three weeks that you were down there? I was down for th- three weeks. Three weeks, yeah. okay. And then you came back and, and you know, where'd you go from there? So while I was down there, after my first week when I was sold, um, all of the trainers down there are either kinesiologists or exercise therapists. Mm-hmm. So I Googled the U of A, faculty of phys ed, found the practicum coordinator's email emailed him was like yo this is what i'm looking for because they were going to give me a home program right yeah and so he can't do what they were doing by yourself at home right yeah but i need assistant like i need a trainer (laughs) and at that time like i said my mom and my brother were helping me but they both work and my mom's not really that strong and you know i just wanted somebody who was there dedicated for me every day right and so and i wanted a student because i can't afford to pay like a full trainer right (laughs) yeah (laughs) Let's call him an intern, shall we? <laughs> yeah. So then he asked me a bunch of information and found it out to a whole faculty. Mm-hmm. I got about 12 responses <clears throat> and I ended up hiring two girls um, who worked opposite days of each other because I worked out three hours or three hours a day, six days a week. Jeez. Yeah. It's impressive. It takes, well, you would do whatever you could. Yeah. Right? That's yeah. all you, all you got is time. Yeah. All you're going to do is work out. Exactly. Um, yeah, and then one of the girls who I hired is Nancy, and she's just she's always wanted to do this type of work. She didn't know she could do it in Canada. Okay. Because what drew in, her to that work? This work, rather. Sorry. What drew her to this work? I'm does not she really have sure. any disability she, or no? She does family not. Family member? Or no. No. She just ever since she was seven years old, yeah. she just knew she wanted to help people with disabilities. There was a kid in her class who had a disability, mm-hmm. and she's just has always wanted that. Wow. Yeah. That's a, that's a lesson in never knowing how much we truly impact people, right? Like, I wonder if that if that kid knows. Yeah. And because I was in this other Nancy girl's class, like, mm-hmm. now she's changed people's lives. Yeah. That's wild. Sorry, yeah. continue. It's all good. Um, yeah, so anyways, we, we worked out for six months. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and at this time, I was kind of teaching them, too. I was going right? to ask because that. Because they've never worked out yeah. this way, ever. And so <clears throat> I was kind of teaching them. And then I went back to California in January for five weeks this time. And then Nancy came with us for the last week. So we did the train your trainer program. Gotcha. And she got some hands-on experience and certified through them. 
And that kind of gave her the confidence and like the like, you know, feedback that, okay, what I'm doing is right. And, uh, you know, I know what I'm doing kind of thing. And so when we got back, because I had figured that I'd have to go back to California every six months to change my program and stuff. Right. But she kind of took over the role of trainer and she started changing my program and really started honing her skills. Mm -hmm. And so then anybody that I would meet on my journey, I'm like, yo, you need to work out with Nancy. (laughs) She's a tank. She's awesome. Right. Are you talking about specifically disabled people or anyone? No, people with like, yeah, disabilities. So were you just just people you're running into on the streets Mm -hmm. or were there circles or groups or like what? Just random people. Just kind of random people. And then like, you know, with uh, spinal spinal cord injury, Alberta, I went to their barbecue and they had a couple of events and then uh, Par- Paralympic Sports Association. Yeah. They have hand cycling and kayaking mm-hmm. and um, they do a whole bunch of other stuff too. A ton of stuff, right? <laughs> so I went is to that out of the Stedward Center in U of A? Uh, no, their office is at the Hyde Center. Okay. And um, they do, I think they, I don't think they have anything to do with the Stedward Center oh, actually. Okay. okay. Or is that? I don't know. Don't quote me on that. That's all right. No problem. We'll fact check later. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) So at what point did you go from doing this because you were trying to get better yourself to Mm -hmm. to thinking, no, no, I can help not only myself, but a whole bunch of people? Well, my original plan when I went to California was to bring a franchise here. Right. A Project Walk. And when me and my mom, we went to go talk to the CEO of Project Walk at that time, a couple of things he said really didn't rub me the right way okay first thing he said to me he said he didn't ask you about your hair did he no (laughs) what's wrong with your hair (laughs) he's like this is a very lucrative uh business okay he's like there's lots of money to be made here okay and i was like well you're making that money off me man yeah and down there they charge 110 dollars an hour okay us Mm -hmm. right plus your flight hotel food car everything do you pay them and they they put the whole package together no. or you pay for all that you and then do you also pay for it. okay yeah so it's more work for you too yeah and so i was doing three hours a day five days a week cool. that's a lot adds of money. up quick yes is canadian insurance covering that no no it's private everything's private so you pay out of your pocket mm-hmm. luckily i was in a financial situation where i could right and so um yeah when he told me that i was just like i don't know dude Right? Like, you're, look who you're making money off of. Mm-hmm. I didn't like that. So anyways, when I came back, we had that as an option, and their franchise fees were astronomical and stuff. And then I found out that bringing that type of business over the border is a lot of red tape mm-hmm. because you have to get a lot of approval, FDA, blah, 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 because right. you're dealing with a vulnerable population. Yeah. And then, plus, I was just not in the right headspace at all. At all. Right. And so Nancy and I worked out for a few years, you know, and I was getting way better. Like I was standing more and she was really helping me with my core. Mm-hmm. At this walking. point, what was the emotion in your legs? Like what, what, what did you have available to you? Um, I had control over my right leg more than my left leg okay. because the lesion in my spinal cord is on the left side of my spinal cord. Gotcha. So my connection to the right leg was a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the first one to go, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And first one to come back. Okay. Yeah. And um, so when we would walk, um, I I use a walker and I could kind of move my right leg by myself. She had to help me step through. Mm -hmm. But with my left leg, like I couldn't bend it at all. And like I said, I had extensor tone. So everything's straight. Right. Right. And so unable to bend. So she had to physically bend my leg and take that step through each time. And then I didn't get that until November 2014. Okay. Is when my left leg started bending on its own after I had a near death experience with a blood clot. Oh my God. When it gets bad, it gets real bad. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So then once you realize how you bring the franchise north of the border is not an option, Mm -hmm. um, I mean, you. you basically had the the philosophical idea behind the program down already so yeah so you're like well i can just do this myself yeah well then our second option we were going to open a franchise of the one in regina mm-hmm. here they had already opened another franchise in richmond bc mm-hmm. and so we thought that that would be a good alignment and to do that but then one day i went to yoga and i had this my gut like punched me in the face and was like don't do it 
Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Just an intuition. Yeah. Okay. And it was, it was such a big feeling. I was like, okay, I can't ignore this. Right. right? And so um, there were a couple of other red flags and stuff, but this was my gut being like, don't do it. Yeah. And so we told them, we kind of broke it off before we had, we hadn't signed anything yet. And so then we decided to go private. We're like, this way we have all control over everything and we can kind of do whatever we want without having to give somebody else money. Right. Right? Makes sense to me, right? Yeah. And so the next step was think of a name. What are you going to name your business? And man, we came up with like hundreds of names and everyone kept getting shot down. Yeah. And then my friend was suggested to find a marketing agency to help us with it. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is we're a nonprofit organization and we started with zero capital. Right. We didn't have any money. I don't have any money to invest, neither does Nancy. And so we're just like, okay, let's just see what we can get for free from people. Right. So we found an awesome marketing company called Zag Creative. Yeah. It's run by a bunch of boss ass women. And at Edmonton here? Yep, at yeah. Edmonton. And um, they took us on pro bono. They gave us our name and our tagline. And then we found a graphic artist out of Red Deer, Colton Bridge, and he gave us our logo. Mm -hmm. I told him that I wanted it to have a phoenix in it because phoenix rises from the ashes. Rise from the wreckage, yeah. Yeah, and we picked Ryu because what we told the marketing agency is when you have a spinal cord injury or you go through a traumatic event, you're kind of reborn. So I call my accident my rebirth day because I was reborn. And when you have a paralysis, you kind of go back to being a baby, right? And you think of when a baby is born, you know, how it learns to crawl and move. You gotta learn how to roll over, sit up, crawl, kneel, walk, right? Mm -hmm. Same thing for us. You have to learn how to roll over. You gotta learn how to sit up. Everything, you have to relearn how to do everything. And so the word, the name Ryu really jumped out to us. And our tagline, reconnect, retrain, redefine. Mm I mean, we reconnect the nerve, we reconnect the brain to the muscles below the level of injury. We retrain the nervous system and redefine what's possible. Awesome. Well, it sounds like it fits perfectly, and I mean, I can I can't even fathom how how much of a mind trip that would be to have to go through relearning all that stuff, all that stuff that you you learn when you're so young that you don't even remember learning it, right? Well, and it's instinct. Yeah. You yeah. Know, babies have instinct. Yeah. We don't as adults. That's as not adults, a natural have, instinct, right? No, and as adults, we have complex brains, right? Mm-hmm. We can think complex thoughts, which is a hindrance, really, yeah, when you're you trying that, to retrain your body. You need that willing suspension of, of, of reality. And yeah. Just like not think of tomorrow, just think of right now, right this minute. Well, and even just turning that off, mm-hmm. right? If you can turn your brain off, your body will work. Right. And, and we have evidence of that because we are one of the, we are the first, um, organization in Canada to offer virtual reality as part of a neuro rehab program. Which is fascinating. Yeah, okay. So awesome. what do you mean by that? If you can turn off the brain, the body will work. Okay. So when we walk people on the treadmill, we have a body weight support system. So mm-hmm. you put a harness around the person's pelvis, hoist them up to a hydraulic lift, which lifts them on top of the treadmill. So mm-hmm. you can control how much body weight they're using and how much the machine is holding. And we have one person on each leg and somebody on the hips stabilizing them and kind of going with the weight shift. Mm-hmm. And each per- the person on each leg walks, walks their legs for them. And so when, you're, when you don't have the VR on and you're thinking about it, because you're really trying to, you're always going to be trying really hard to do stuff, right? Yeah. But you're always going to also recruit all the muscles that you don't need, mm-hmm. right? And so when you put the VR on, you're either walking on a beach, you're in a mountain, you're in a duck walk, and it's 360 degrees, so it's everywhere. Yeah. And so your brain is out of it, right? And so you can hear the sounds of the park wherever you're in, the beach, you can hear the ocean and stuff, and you really feel like you're there, and so your brain is focused on that instead of what your legs are doing, and your legs will actually work so wow. much better. Wow, unbelievable. I yeah. Mean, is there, what's the scientific explanation for that? Oh, that's also Nancy's expertise, okay. not mine. <laughs> yeah. But it's just like, it's like you're almost, because the brain, like consciousness is a way to filter out things, right? Mm-hmm. Filter out messages so we're able to focus. So yeah. perhaps it's linked to that in some way in which, you know, just having that 
that narrow scope of focus in the VR eliminates all the other static, all the fears of doubt and everything yep. that, that would seep in when you're not yep. in the VR system and allows them to just go by instinct. Yep. Wow. That's unbelievable. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty it must cool. blow people's minds when it happens for the first time. Yeah, I mean, not even just with walking though. It's mm -hmm. even like with upper body stuff, right? There's a lot of games where you your head is cannon, so you're shooting. You're shooting dinosaurs. Yeah. And so it's great for like it's awesome. It's great for like neck uh, movement and uh, stability and mm -hmm. stuff. And you know, uh, the people, the company is called Neuron. They're out of California. And they had this one guy, they videoed him before he put the headset on. He had shoulder issues and he couldn't lift his arm up over, like above his shoulder. Mm -hmm. They put the VR on him and they give him the hand, the controller, which turns into a sword and you have to pop balloons. Mm -hmm. His arm was all the way up here. He's doing oh, it. Yeah, getting all over the place. And they took it off and he's like, why is my shoulder burning? I'm like, because this is what you did, man. Because you used it. Yeah. They, they used VR um, uh, to help uh, patients manage pain as well um, okay. because it distracts your brain from pain so yeah. so I know specifically um, patients who have had uh, skin grafts from mm -hmm. like serious third-degree burns because they burn victims go through some of the most severe pain out of anyone ever in the medical you know in a hospital basically mm -hmm. so they use that to help mitigate some of the pain hmm. And I know, like, I've always thought about how cool it would be to use for, you know, people in hospice care, people with, you know, yeah. who are going downhill. It's like you're able to offer them some semblance of sort of relaxation. Where they want to be. Yeah. Like, yeah, in the like, last moments. Someone's never gone to Rome and they've always wanted to, like, give them a VR yeah, tour of awesome. Rome. I think it would be really cool. Yeah. Um, so what are... What about life have you noticed has changed since since your since your condition came up? I mean, so you, much. Uh, obviously a lot to do with you, but how, how have you noticed people perceive and react to you differently? Oh, um, I get discriminated against a lot. Mm -hmm. um, I get underestimated a lot mm -hmm. and ignored. Okay. Yeah. Because I think like our society doesn't really know how to act around people with disabilities and that's because people with disabilities aren't thought of as people right we're thought of as a liability first mm -hmm. and foremost mm -hmm. or something that you pity right you feel sorry for them mm -hmm. um, or in some cultures a shame you bring shame upon your family if you have a disability okay and uh, that's kind of the mentality here so there's a lot to unpack there mm -hmm. um, and I think First and foremost, probably for a lot of people, their reaction is sort of involuntary, I'd yeah. imagine. They're yeah. just, it's just not something that you're used to, right? We mm -hmm. don't come across a ton of disabled people mm -hmm. in our in our day-to-day -day lives, right? Mm -hmm. And so I know for me, I'm trying to process like the last time I saw someone in a wheelchair, the last time I, you know, not ran into someone who's blind, but saw someone who was <laughs> blind. And for me, I think it's, I, I try and, I can't think of any particular instance, but you know, it's just like, how do you react to something that you're not used to a novel circumstance yeah. and, and so how you know how do you coach people or how do you tell people like the pity thing is is a tricky one i imagine because it's like well that's just kind of a form of empathy it's like it's not like oh poor you sorry for you. it's like no i like really wish that you were an able-bodied person i really mm -hmm. wish you had you know full control of your life back mm -hmm. so like how do you how do you differentiate i guess empathy and pity, pity? Oh, yeah, there's a fine line there. Okay. It's definitely a fine line. Mm -hmm. But like, I don't know, if you, if somebody was to see me for the first time, like just walking down the street, whatever, right? And just give me that look like, well, it's happened to me, actually. I was mm -hmm. in Superstore. Mm -hmm. And this lady came up to me and she's like, oh, it's so great to see you out and about. Good for you. Okay. And well, her tone, her yeah. demeanor, yeah. and the way she said it mm -hmm. was all like... Where else should I be? I'm getting groceries. Right. I and mean, you expect me to sit at home, feel sorry for myself, mm -hmm. or whatever, mm -hmm. right? Is it really irritates it me. Bugged <laughs> you. So, it really irritates but put yourself in her position, and do you think? Do you think she meant it in a condescending way? No, for sure she right. didn't. Right. For sure she didn't. So there's didn't. two there's two mixed messages. There's clearly the communication mix, like screwed up, screw up on her part mm. of really not just being like, hey, what's up? Like, cool. How you doing? Yeah. <laughs> Versus, and then you're, you know 
it bugging you intuitively of like I don't like how she reacted to me yeah. but when you really think you're like I know she didn't really mean it like that but yes. it's an annoyance as well right yeah so there's two mixed messages plus it's your own where where you're at right? yeah because that was in my first year being paralyzed where I was not confident no. I was very insecure I hated everything about myself yeah I didn't make eye contact with people like it was I was not myself so in that case, it was kind of like, yeah, actually good for me. <laughs> I'm out at the grocery store at this point, right? But then I also wanted to be, to, wanted to be treated as normal, mm-hmm. right? Like right. you don't want to, you know, you look different, mm-hmm. but you don't want to be treated like a spectacle either. But is it better to, is it better to ignore it or is it better to recognize and just accept it and acknowledge know. it? Like I think I it, you know, <laughs> to put it in a practical sense, like you can't just ignore it. If I'm like, hey, can you reach that up there for me? It's like, no, like you can't ignore the fact that you're in a wheelchair. Yeah. But at the same time, like, I don't know, like you, I think you just need to acknowledge but appreciate like your differences and like especially show respect for the fact that like, look for you and I to live the same like quality of life and same normalcy of life. Like mm. you have to put a lot more work into it mm-hmm. and that's admirable, that's courageous and, and that's something that not everyone could do. We all hope that we could react the way you did hmm. but the reality is that Probably a lot of people couldn't, you know? Yeah, and I mean, that depends on your personality, right? Yeah. There's a lot of um, factors that can affect how you handle any stressful situation. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, I know it's a cliche, but you don't really, you really don't know how strong you are until you have to be. Yeah. Like I to agree. me, there's no other option now. Yeah. If I'm negative, which I was, mm-hmm. do I want to go back to being that person? No. Mm-hmm. Right? So what other option do I have? Well, I, you know, I always try and say that <clears throat> the city of champion moniker means a lot of different things, but I always think the biggest champions are created out of people who have to come from the farthest behind yeah. and, um, you know, to overcome things like that. It's, uh, it's a testament to the, the human spirit and, mm-hmm. and it definitely is an inspiration because, you know, we all hope that we could be like that. We all wish to never hope that we'll never have to be put in that circumstance, mm-hmm. but, um, but you never know I guess and yeah. you see some people just go into downward spirals and yeah. I mean like you said you were really down for about a year right mm-hmm. before you kind of before your quadriplegic friend was like I wish I could move my finger and you're mm-hmm. like shit okay I gotta get going mm-hmm. but I mean so what um, here at the Ryu Center like with the physical rehabilitation you guys mm-hmm. also offer that psychological counseling of course yeah, yeah I mean it's not really um I mean, I'm not certified or anything, right. but like 90% of what I do is talk to people. Mm-hmm. I talk to clients, I talk to their family members, talk to their caregivers, talk to their friends. It's best coming from firsthand, like someone yeah. who's experienced. Yeah, that, right? for sure. And like a big part of with Ryu, more than like the physical side of things is making that community, right? Mm-hmm. And like here we tell everybody, this is a judgment-free zone. You're not gonna get judged here. You're free to be yourself. Right. We treat everybody with respect and dignity and we don't treat anybody as if they have a disability. Mm-hmm. People are people and that's it. Mm-hmm. And we've had a few clients say to us, thank you for treating me like a human. Mm-hmm. That breaks my heart. Cause like- it is, it's, it's terrible that people would get is. treated subhumanly. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean like I, I can't imagine a person who would ever react negatively. Like what must be going on in their life to have a negative reaction to someone with a disability? People are scared of anything that's different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. That's it, period, mm-hmm. right? And because we don't see people with disabilities on a day-to-day, in our day-to-day lives, it's out of thought, out of mind, out of sight, mm-hmm. out of mind. But what I'm trying to change is, okay, first of all, why aren't people out there, mm-hmm. right? Statistically, the, yeah, exactly. in a population of 1 million, 1,500 have a spinal cord injury. Literally every single day somebody gets injured and that's just spinal cord injuries. That's mm-hmm. not brain injuries, cerebral palsy, MS, TM, everything else is on top of that, right? So where is everyone? Right. They're in home, isolated, or, you know, I mean, I hate to say it, but the suicide rate is astronomical mm-hmm. and it's mitigated by the medical system. You know, your doctors are telling you, you're never gonna get this back. You're never gonna get that back. Don't even try. Right. This is what doctors are saying. They don't, they're right? so they're scared about giving false hope. Yes, yeah. they're not allowed to give any hope. They like, they, I think that they like taking hope away. And it's funny because something that we've heard through the gate grapevine is that we offer too much hope to people. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, man, by the bucketfuls. Right. By the bucketfuls. You want hope? Come to, come talk to me. Mm-hmm. Cause like hope gives hope is gonna give you life. Yeah. Right? 
And we don't guarantee, we don't know what anybody is going to get back, but some, one thing we do guarantee is increased quality of life. Mm-hmm. And like we all go out for dinners, there's a big group of us and it's different people every time, but it's funny to see people's reactions when six wheelchairs roll into a restaurant. <laughs> I bet. Where right? do, you, do you have your usual spots or do you go somewhere different all the time? Um, well, Urban Tavern downtown yeah. is really awesome. There's solid people there. Mm-hmm. But I do like to go to other places because I don't want to just segregate us again. Yeah. I want us to be in every every restaurant, every bar, every mm-hmm. club because we're people. Yeah, so why should we stop living our lives, yeah. right? But it's really funny, people's reactions. And then so we fuck with people too. <laughs> like, what are you guys, like a, a gang or yeah. what, what's going on here? And well, when we go in, we start moving chairs around because we brought our own. Yeah. And <laughs> the biggest thing is people don't know what to do with all the extra chairs. Oh, for sure. Managers and supervisors and servers, you mm. know, the look on their face first is usually what language do these people speak? Like, how the fuck am I going to talk to them? What language? Why? Well, that's the look on their face, right? Oh, like, yeah. these are not humans, are right. they? Right. Like, do they eat cooked food? Like, that's the look yeah. on their face. Oh, like, holy shit. shit. Yeah. Right? And or then. It's such a break from a normal routine of like able bodied mm-hmm. people coming in, mm-hmm. right? We have, I bartended uh, local just a couple blocks okay. away from yeah. our tavern. Local's a good one, too. Yeah, it's great. We have yeah. a blind fellow by the name of John who comes in mm-hmm. probably a couple times a week. And I remember, like, that first, I guess it's, it's different with blind people because if you have that kind of like deer and headlight reaction, like typically yeah. they don't know. Yeah. So you have a moment to like recompose yourself, right? Mm-hmm. But um, he comes in, someone grabs him from the front door, walks into the bar. He knows all the bartenders by name or mm-hmm. like if it's allowed, just be like, hey, John, it's Shane here. How you doing, man? Like, what beer are you getting today? And mm-hmm. and then he knows the menu pretty well. So he orders what he wants. And, and you know, you stop by, you talk to him when, he's got a ch- when you got a chance. And yeah. it's just like such a normal, cool, re- like, uh, you know, um, event like mm-hmm. when he comes in, and uh, oh, popular person today. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, it's it's really cool to see us all work together to 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 accommodate him, right? Like mm-hmm. if someone's busy, but they see he's at the front door, they'll like drop everything or they'll yell at someone to go grab him. It's like John's here, and like you go grab him and bring mm-hmm. him. And it's it's I really enjoy that part of it. I've never seen someone in a wheelchair come in, but. No reason why we couldn't accommodate that either. I've been there a few times. Have you? Yeah. Okay. Oh, I, only work, a good time. I only work on the weekends. Oh, okay. Um, okay. But yeah, I think that's great that the exposure effect is massive too because yep. the, you know, it's just something that people aren't used to and you, know, you don't know, like you said, you don't know how to react to the unknown and, yeah. and, you, and you get stuck in this like hyper self-conscious like, all right, be normal, act normal. Okay, <laughs> definitely not acting normal now. We're off with super yeah. unnormal and then like, who knows like the fear just paralyzes your brain yeah and i think like you know the the, the disabled person probably by their demeanor can diffuse it pretty quickly be like yeah. hey how's it going no yeah. just one or no my buds are all rolling in right now you know like, yeah um but it's you know it's good to see that and to see people getting out as well yeah i mean that's one thing that's really important to us is to change the stigma mm-hmm. right just because i have a disability doesn't mean i can't be stylish doesn't mean i can't be sexy doesn't mm-hmm. mean i can't be me mm-hmm. right and we're always thought of as worth less and right. less than right and i'm here to tell you not yeah so and i mean with that hope that you give people too comes comes meaning and purpose and mm-hmm. i think that to me is the most valuable thing to have in life because if you don't have something to work towards yep. it's just you can get listless so quickly yep. you can just get so lethargic and so uncaring of, of what's going on in life whether you're able-bodied or not yeah right? yeah 100 percent we get caught up in our thoughts mm-hmm. right and most of the time when you have a disability you're not really working and so all you got is time mm-hmm. and you usually think about things and the negative thoughts usually take precedence and Ruminate. they take over yeah. and um, we kind of, you know, we want to change that and we want to be that place for people where they look forward to coming here mm-hmm. and they want to come here. And sometimes this is the only place that they get out for once that the once time, one time a week that they can get out. Right. Right. And so we want to make sure that they get the most out of their time here and mm-hmm. really enjoy themselves. Are there organizations or do you facilitate with any groups that help um, place people with physical disabilities in jobs specific that, you know, they're more easily able to do? There is employabilities. Okay. Um, that's kind of what they do. Um, so we don't really, 
we don't really do anything with that. Mm-hmm. Um, there are organizations already doing so many great things in the disability world um, that we don't want to do something that somebody else is already doing. Mm-hmm. So we will definitely refer to other organizations right. and we want to work <clears throat> together with these organizations because our disabled disabled world is so small, mm-hmm. right? I mean, Edmonton is a big, small town, right? Yeah, everybody knows everybody. Course, yeah. It's not that big. And so why would we want to create any animosity or competition mm-hmm. when there doesn't need to be? Mm-hmm. So what we do, nobody else does. And we try to help any other organization that's doing whatever they're doing. Right. Do you have, are any of your, um, what do you call it? Members, patients, what clients. Are clients, clients, that's what. Do you have any clients here that are in the um, paratriathlon coming up at the end of July? Um, well, I think my friend is in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I just had those guys on from the World Triathlon series. Oh, uh, yeah. Not this last Wednesday. Okay. On the podcast. So they were telling me all about it and really promoting the fact that they also have the paratriathlon mm-hmm. component of it, which is really cool to see. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, my friends in it for sure. Um, and then, you know, you guys have a couple events coming up as well. Uh, do you want to talk about those? Sure, yeah. Well, our next event is our golf tournament mm-hmm. on September 14th. It's at the Red Tail Landing Golf Club, the golf course. And um, I think it's $800 to register your team of four. Okay. And um, yeah, then there's a dinner afterwards. Lunch will be provided and dinner. Mm-hmm. And we'll have a silent auction and it'll be a great time. Where can people go to uh, to find out more information on you and Ryu, <laughs> you and Ryu, <laughs> and, um, and uh, you know all the cool. amazing things you guys are doing here. Yeah, man. Well, our website is www.reyu.ca. Mm-hmm. Um, and on there, you can get links to our social media and our YouTube channel where we have a bunch of videos. Um, and then for me personally, my contact information is all over the website and my personal Instagram is Branzoid. If anybody Branzoid. Yeah. How do you spell that? B-R-A-N-Z-O-I-D. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> um, so what, you know, what do you still hope to accomplish in the, in the short term here? Like, or, or even long term, what are your biggest goals? Um, I want to leave a legacy. Mm-hmm. I want my name to be remembered and I want it on a building or a park. Okay. And so in order to do that, you got to do big things. Yeah. And so we started Reu with the intent to change lives and we're well on our way doing that. Um, right now we're at almost 60 clients in just over a year. Um, we're expanding so fast and growing so fast. It's crazy. So the demand is huge and we knew it would be. Um, but our plan is to, like I said, change. we want to change the world, mm-hmm. right? And we have to do it one mind at a time. And so it's going to take us some time, but we're going to change the way Edmonton views people with disabilities. Not only, I mean, we live in a winter city, Mm -hmm. and so there's a lot of physical barriers, but the attitudinal barriers are year round, and they're a lot worse than the physical barriers. And so that's something that we really want to work on and really want to push the boundaries um, with the medical community, right? We want to push the boundaries of what's possible. Right. hopefully try to change their minds that regeneration and reconnecting is possible right so you're showing them based on the work here like look it is possible and for you guys to say it's not you're shutting the door on so many people's lives and hope and and futures yep and i mean we have we do assessments on everybody and stuff so we are tracking everyone's progress Mm -hmm. and everyone is recovering everyone is gaining and so whether yeah i just know like I think I thought I realized kind of the biggest impact on me when I've seen disabled people and actually the most places I see them is in the gym working mm-hmm. out mm-hmm. I've, I've seen you know people in wheelchairs or people in walkers or, or blind people mm-hmm. and I, that just blows me away and that just like makes me so grateful and so inspired and it kind of like you had um, when your friend talked to you it's like I have no excuses mm-hmm. like I it, it should drive us all to be the mm-hmm. best person that we could be not you know not comparison with other people but mm-hmm. just comparison with ourselves yeah. like, like you have zero excuses <laughs> I like that a lot so what what are some what are some things that in in our everyday lives we can more be, be more cognizant about um, when it comes to people with disabilities like what, what are the little things that someone like myself might not notice um, but it, it would do me better to be cognizant of good question. Good question. Because 
for me, mm-hmm. see, rarely do I see people with disabilities. Mm-hmm. For you, you see everybody's reaction to someone with a disability. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm asking you, like, you know, wh- what are some things that you, you see people, how are ways people react? Mm-hmm. Or what are things that people do that, that they might be wise to change or reconsider? Or think okay, more about? so one of the things that Let's get real I find here. it really hilarious. Yeah. Um, so if I'm going through a mall or like rolling wherever, mm-hmm. like my wheelchair is 23 inches rim to rim. Okay. Okay. That's how wide I am. Yeah. You didn't People... get the upgraded model. You didn't get the big spinners or anything. <laughs> no. Well, I got 25 inch gold rims. Those are pretty flashy. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Fits your personality. Thank you. Awesome. Um, but people will back up like 10 meters. <clears throat> Whoa, they will watch back out. Up Come so through. Far. Yeah. And when I roll by, I'm just like, dude, I'm not that wide. Yeah. Like, chill, I'm not going to roll over your toes. So, you know, I mean, yes, give them a little space, but yeah. like, there's no need to be over exaggerating. Don't be dramatic. Yeah, you don't <laughs> okay. need to run a mile or. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and again, like with the pity, mm-hmm. right? I think if you really want to say something, Think it over in your head twice before you say it. Yeah. Because you wouldn't go up to an able-bodied person and be like, good job for getting out of your house today. Look at you for brushing your teeth. You look, you have sadness in your you eyes. Way to get out of the Yeah, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And we just want to be treated as people. Mm-hmm. And we work, we work out, we date, you know what I mean? Yeah. So like, I don't need a congratulations for doing the things that I'm going to do anyways. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, that makes sense. I, I suppose that's a, uh, that's a, um, not a very, oh, what's the word? Uh, not a very relatable way to approach someone, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And I mean, people do have good intentions yeah. most of the time, mm-hmm. right? But uh, I don't know. I would think twice, speak once. Okay. Well, good. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad we had this discussion and it's, you know, it's awesome to get to know you and see great things Thank being you. done. And again, like I said, the whole point of this podcast is to to push sort of the spheres of knowledge of mm-hmm. you know what I'm capable of and what I understand and what all of the listeners do as well and uh, provide a platform. Hopefully, this you know helped you also sort of formulate some of your thoughts and, yeah. and you know provide a different perspective as well. So I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, chat with me. Well, thank you for inviting me and having me on your public podcast and. Thanks for coming to see me. Of course. Oh, last thing I remember now. Yes. Um, you guys are looking for new space. Oh, yeah. Because you're growing so much, yes, right? Yes, we are. So 60 yes, new clients this year, and you want to expand a lot. We need to. We're so, bursting at the seams here. So what are you looking at right now? So we need 4,000 square feet. Okay. And obviously wheelchair accessible. Mm-hmm pretty much anywhere in the city. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna go look at a few places on Friday and uh, kind of see what's out there. Yeah. But being a brand new nonprofit, funds are limited. Mm-hmm. And so we're always looking for fundraiser, or we're always fundraising and looking for sponsorship. Mm-hmm. And so if anybody would like to donate to us, you can do, through, do so through our website. Gotcha. Um, yeah, and every dollar is appreciated. Perfect. All right, Bean, thanks so much. Thank Have you a great so day. Much. Thanks, you too. Bye. Thank you for listening, guys. As this show goes on, I'm continually blown away by how many amazing people that there are in the city of Edmonton. And this podcast has just been such an incredible way for me to meet them. There are a ton of great podcasts being produced here in Alberta. And to find some new ones and some new listening, go check out albertapodcastnetwork.com. We'll see you all next week.